one. 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 I don't believe that anybody's beyond forgiveness, but I think that doesn't mean that you shouldn't challenge the injustice that's been perpetrated. When people sit down together who hold opposing views, they recognise not only their differences, but the things they hold in common. We have monthly activities for elderly. We try and address the need of our community at the point of need. This is One Voice. Because we're all the same. Northamptonshire is at the centre of both our talking points today. Two ultra-local conversations that put two events under the microscope. Hello and welcome to the podcast. And as we record, the Greenbelt Festival is about to throw open its doors to the public. And someone who knows the festival better than most is here with me to look at the spirit of it and how it's grown. First, we take a seat outside in Lois Leeson's garden and hear all about her epic Methodist church fundraising for Christian aid. The One Voice podcast. So, Lois, let's start off with the coffee and cake events, I'll call them, because I think morning or afternoon would, would somehow underplay them. They're obviously where possible outside where we are now. And without this wonderful garden, they wouldn't be possible, or at least not in that form. Can you describe your garden for us? Well, it's on the obelisk estate, but on the edge, so that we look out onto the fields that run down to Bighton Village. Um, So we've even got like a little gate in the hedge, because it's got a natural hedge running along the side of it. And um, we've got a little gate out into the the field. And because it's a, a corner house in in the corner of the cul-de-sac we have a bigger garden maybe than most people it runs off into a corner and it's got a couple of big trees so it's got a bit of natural shade if you, if you happen to get a lovely sunny day um we've got the shade built in um and otherwise it's got plants that i have inherited from people that i have bought at previous church sales um you know it, it just has evolved really so it's basically a bit of grass with some borders around the edge and a couple of big trees there you I, th- I think you're saying it a bit short but there we go i mean and, and still now there's well i suppose we're only in august so there's still lots of vibrant color isn't there there's oranges white sort of lilacs reds and the rest of it and tomatoes oh well <laughs> you see the thing about the tomatoes, we we had a stage where people were asking, have you got any tomato plants in your sale? And I put out a request by email, you know, anybody got spare tomato plants? That's how it works. And Kathleen Rowlings works for the co-op in Dustin, and she rescued three Alicante tomato plants, um, which... In the event, nobody turned up to claim, and so rather than see them go to waste, I potted them up in our old cannabis pots, and there we are. So we look forward to those at the next coffee morning, maybe in tomato chutney or cheese and tomato salad. I love tomatoes. I have eaten them long before. (laughs) So... Why, why Christian Aid then? The the coffee, I keep saying events, but the coffee mornings, afternoons that you do here in the garden, in this lovely setting, are for Christian Aid. Why Christian Aid? Um, well, I think really 
you know, my parents in Northern Ireland, in Armagh, were instrumental in setting up Armagh's first Christian Aid committee. You know, my father was the treasurer. So I kind of grew up, you know, either with my mother going around putting envelopes in the doors um, or, you know, watching my father uh, sorting out money, banking, whatever. It, it, it was just part of my growing up. Um, and it's, it's kind of never left me, you know. So as we've moved from church to church, um, I have, and Philip too, volunteered to collect or whatever was necessary. Um, how the actual coffee morning started... Do you know that that I'd be pushed to tell you where the first inspiration came from. I think it was a, a way of bringing together friends. So I would invite my work colleagues, I would invite church people, I'd invite neighbours, I'd invite the old keep fit class. You know, it, it was just made up of all kinds of different people. Um, plants, plants have always figured in it. Possibly it was that Viola had stepped down from doing a plant sale, maybe. But I don't remember that. It's, it's in the hazes of time past. You know, it must be 15 years ago, perhaps something like that. It's funny because people always say how food brings people together. Mm. You know, that, that sharing and that kind of love, I suppose. Um, but uh, plants, plants. So, they, they play second fiddle, probably quite wrongly so to that. You see... When, when we were in lockdown, the plants were still here. The plants were down the side of the house. I was able to say by email, you know, come, choose your plants, put a bit of money through the door as a donation. You know, if I see you, I'll stand well back. You know, we held distance conversations. But, but it really, I mean, I didn't feel the isolation that an awful lot of people probably yes. did feel during because I had people coming you know to get plants to bring me plants um we kept going we, we didn't stop so we did for there was a year then yes there was a year when we weren't able to have the coffee morning when it was just plants alone um but then the next year which would have been 2021 um we thought right We've got to do it differently. We've got to be a lot more COVID-aware and, 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 and safe. So we'll be out in the garden. Um, we'll, we'll make sure that we sort of serve people in a way that um, it's less... <laughs> oh, too many hands all on the plate, you know, sort of thing. And we did it, and it worked. Um, and so this year, really, we, 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 we stuck with that. Um, we moved it a little later in the year, so it was perhaps a little more guaranteed that it would be warmer outside. Um, and, and we were very lucky in that we got decent days. Um, I've, I've seen two of them now. I'm going to say coffee extravaganza, because that that's, feels the level to which it's gone. Um, what, what does it take to organise that, Lois? Because... You've got waiting staff, there's people in the kitchen, proper order sheets. It's like the full restaurant outside. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, a part of it is that if you're doing it long enough, some things are set there. I, I do keep my crib notes from the year before with suggestions if there's anything that I thought. 
Um, the urn comes from Penny and some mugs and such things. Um, I, you know, there are people who are assigned and always do. So Sandy will be on the plants. Um, if Shalou is here, she will be um, uh, doing the refreshments. Um, but, you know, I can call in other people if for some reason they're not about. Um, your own son was a, a, a very efficient waiter this year. Um, Mackenzie did a wonderful job um, and was very on the, on the ball. You know, he knew whether the scone, the cheese scone, should come with or without chutney and would point out if the serving staff got it wrong. He was good. Yes. Um, yeah, and so, you know, people will just automatically say, well, I'll make a cake. Um, and uh, and the, uh, the plants the plants come in and uh, uh, the key I suppose in a way is to make sure that you definitely get the promotion you know you, you've got to get it out there that it's happening and now that we don't fix it to Christian Aid Week it's all the more important that you tell people when it's going to be and you keep reminding them yes. <laughs> right up to the last minute bang the coffee uh, yes. event drum yes there's there's also a, a competitive element, not just the tombola raffle, etc., but the the things like, and I think you vary each time, how many sultanas are in the cake, cake or how many uh, pieces of chocolate are. So, yeah, who, who comes up with these? Well, I mean, traditionally it was how, what's the weight of the cake? Um. And then we had a year where somebody, I think it was Jane Boyson, um, because I, I tried to get a different person to make the, the competition cake every year. And, um, and she counted the number of currants or whatever it was in her cake. Um, but, but because of COVID, we didn't want people handling the cake this year. Uh, or there were two cakes um, so we wanted them to be able to to get into the competition mode without you know getting their hands on the cake um, so how many seemed to be the way to go for that having learnt from Jane that it could be done I asked Penny if we could have a sultana cake and Trevor got the job of counting the sultanas <laughs> he must have been very diligent and I, al I always underestimate terribly and it's normally, I, I say tens, and it's in the hundreds, which always catches me out. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, how's, how's your baking then, uh, Lois? Do you kind of get hands-on involved with that? What's, have you got a signature bake? Um, well, the scones, the scones would tend to be mine. Uh, so we'll have cheese scones and plain scones. Um, and then Paul's very good on a coffee and walnut. Um, we would quite often have a lemon drizzle so I, I would say they're the basics maybe a fruit of some kind you know like a fruit slab or something like that um in the days when we had romeo we would always have had something that was gluten free so you know we would include and we would have the old customer who might have been gluten free so we would try to have a gluten free option yes. um and uh, yes, you know, each year, I, some years I might maybe have a carrot cake for a change or... Um, but I think, I think with the... We didn't used to do scones. I think with the introduction of scones, we maybe narrowed down the cake option a little bit. Yes. There are uh, 
it might be a flood of fancy this but there are people that do in their own gardens open up a cafe or restaurant on a regular basis any any plans <laughs> no no i don't think so the, the thing is you know the garden has to not, not it's never going to look perfect but it has to look reasonable you know um we we tend to import chairs and tables from norma's next door you know so there, there's a there's an element of 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 putting stuff together that wouldn't just be here um, and if you were going to do it on a, a fairly regular basis uh, it would be a lot of hard work John <laughs> so who, who gets the job then of prettifying the garden, the flowers, the lawn etc in preparation for that who, whose job is that to make sure when people walk up the drive, come through the side there that it all looks pristine basically me I mean <laughs> I thought you were going to say that um, Paul Paul is good for muscle work mm-hmm. um, and he, he'll take on like the tomatoes say he will he, he likes feeding them and looking after them but he, he's not not really uh, interested he, he likes specific jobs I would say um, so and Philip definitely isn't a gardener he'll do a bit of pruning mm. sometimes on welcome pruning, so perhaps that's even put him off. You know, past experience has taught him. Yes, it was just about to flower. <laughs> you know, so uh, on the whole, the garden is my. Um, that's mm. mine. So you know, in the run up to to the event, mm. um, it's a case of you know get the baking done, get the garden decent, sort out the plants to make sure. I mean, Sandy or whoever is running the plant stall um, will will work with me to get the plants ready for sale, so that we, you know, we've got a bit of an idea. She knows what sort of price she's got in mind and that sort of thing. If if I mean, because we we'll, we have different ways of approach on this. Sometimes it's a case of just give us a donation. Um, sometimes it's more a case of well, actually, this costs so much. And, and Christian Aid must be very grateful as well, must be very thankful. Um, I would have thought so. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a nice, tidy sum of money yeah. that um, is usually generated each year. And, you know, it's grown year by year. I think when we first started, well, you know, we might have 200-ish yeah. pounds. This year, 1,800 pounds. Um, you know, th- of course... it. That's not totally just the coffee, you know. There was Kevin's um, rather superb lawnmower that we sold on eBay, you know, that added a nice uh, couple of hundred into there as well, you know. So. And Phil's secateurs that are wayward. Um, <laughs> yes. Less, less said about that, the better, really. It's Chelsea Chop. Great, Lois, thank you ever so much. Thank you. Been a pleasure. Thanks to Lois. And what I will say is, the next time she has one of those... Please, please go and support it. Now, it is the premier Christian festival that explores faith and spirituality through performance, art, uh, debate and assorted cultural stimuli. Let's learn about the Greenbelt Festival with someone who's there most years. It's the BBC's Martin Heath. This is One Voice. So, come on, Martin, is veteran of Greenbelt a fair tag for you, do you think? 
Um, well, yes and no, uh, in the sense that I've been aware of the festival for as long as I've been doing religious programming on BBC Radio Northampton. But um, for quite a bit of my uh, time in that role, uh, the Greenbelt Festival has been elsewhere, notably mm. at Racecourse for many years. Uh, but then when it came back to Northamptonshire, um, would it have been about 2015, 2016, it came back to Northamptonshire? And uh, to the current location, which is at Bowson House, wonderful stately home, the, the Versailles of Northamptonshire, if you like. Mm. Uh, that's now. And since since it came back to Northamptonshire, I've been there every year uh, broadcasting a live programme on the Sunday morning from the Greenbelt uh, campsite. So, uh, yes, for the last mm. few years, I've had quite a, a strong relationship with it. And uh, I think it's fair to say that it's unique amongst festivals in this country. And, and of course, seeing the festival as uh, a broadcaster who then has to convey the essence of it to a, a completely separate audience, what what's different about seeing it through that prism? Well, I suppose part of that is being able to put Greenbelt across to the people who aren't there. Uh, in the sense that people who go to Greenbelt, by and large, I think are in two categories. They're either quite um, committed to their Christian faith, and and I think very much it, it tends to be more towards the evangelical end of the, of, of the Christian faith, or they're people who are interested in campaigning and, and, and different issues and, and things we can do to change the world. Now, for people who aren't in either of those categories, Somehow you've got to find something in the mix that they will identify with without giving a totally um, um, unfair uh, uh, idea of what the festival's all about. So it's trying to find those things that would interest somebody who's not in those two groups that I mentioned um, and, and, and still you know, give the feeling of its overarching um, uh, uh, motivation, which is both faith but also... Uh, campaigning and, and 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 campaigning for things like social justice, campaigning for things like climate change, but also it's it's the fun element of it as well. Um, and it, clearly, if you can't find some fun in it, then people are not going to be terribly uh, impressed and enlightened by it. So we've done things like some years ago when it first came to Bowton House. Um, uh, Helen Blaby and I were both there presenting a programme, and we found these big felt hats to wear. Uh, so I had this gigantic green felt hat on, um, which we described on the radio and took pictures of as well. And um, Helen had one on that looked more like an upturned bedpan, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> so it's finding things like that that sort of bring a bit of kind of, you know, if you like, humorous reality into the whole thing. Because there, there are worships where, uh, workshops rather where you can do things like crafts. There are opportunities to, um, to do a, a, a bit of, songwriting have done that in the past for example so there, there, in some ways there is something for everybody and i kind of want that to come across on the radio but equally i think you have to not lose sight of the fact that the, the main basis of it that uh, is, is is either people with with faith or people who are into campaigning or indeed both the way that it has changed over the years martin from your particular viewpoint what have you noticed there are various things that have changed over the years. Uh, one of those things has been venues. Um, so Cheltenham Racecourse, if you can picture, you know, the, the average racecourse where you can 
you see the bit where the horses race, but then there's the big stands as well and the hospitality areas. And it's all, it, in, in some ways, that was quite, that was seen as quite a formal venue. And I think for some people, they, they didn't felt, feel that that had the, the, the slightly kind of radical feel that Greenbelt has and the, um, the campaigning feel and the, um, not exactly anti-establishment feel, but they didn't want to make it look and feel like an establishment event. So some people found Cheltenham Racecourse to be not necessarily the sort of place that they felt was right for Greenbelt. And so when it came back to Northamptonshire, there was very much a change in that because suddenly, although it's in the, in, in, in the shadow, if you like, of a lovely stately home, it's actually pretty much all in fields. So there are there aren't many, if any, actual permanent structures in the main festival area. So it still feels, even though it is uh, you know a, a, a very professionally organised event, it still feels a bit like the uh, the, uh, the offspring of a load of people meeting in a muddy field and deciding to effectively do the show right there. In other words, to just have a festival and celebrate. So that's been part of it. But there's also been interesting changes in direction over the years. I mean, it just so happens, coincidentally, that today I've been talking to somebody who, if we go back to the very early 90s, had a specific role within Greenbelt. And that role was to produce a programme of classical music concerts. Now, that simply does not exist now as part of Greenbelt, and it hasn't for the entire Northamptonshire period. And I don't really think it has for Cheltenham Racecourse either. This was happening when Greenbelt was at Castle Ashby and Dean Park in its kind of previous Northamptonshire era, where as part of the entertainment, as part of the programme, they had um, things like yeah, classical music, specially written classical music, and also uh, Man jazz. If you you may remember that from school days, I don't know, but that was a sort of rock opera thing that was performed by schools. And this was, if you like, curated by a group of people who were uh, classical musicians. That has disappeared from it. But what we see now more of is the uh, the campaigning, the debating, the workshops, that sort of thing. So it's kind of it's kind of changed and it's kind of, um, if you like, honed its direction a bit, because I think there was a period when people were saying, where does Greenbelt actually want to go? Does it want to go what, down what your, what your, what your Christian worshipper might, might de uh, describe as the kind of soul survivor, new wine, uh, spring harvest type of route, where um, it's mostly based around worship? Although, yes, they do have their debates and workshops, the main purpose of it is collective worship. Does Greenbelt want to go down that route? Or does it want to become more of a kind of um, place where, yes, you do kind of ethnic crafts and that sort of thing, but you also have workshops about uh, climate change and what's going on in far off lands where, 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 where life might be dominated by war and that sort of thing. And I think it's decided very much that it wants to steer itself more in the campaigning, debating uh, area. It wants to be more of that whilst retaining some worship elements. Now, the worship elements have been interesting over the years as well. And um, we, we, if we go back to just before the pandemic, to so the 2019 festival, one of the highlights of that was the um, Christmas communion. And when you remember, of course, that this is a, a, an event in August, you're thinking, why on earth would you have a Christian communion? And the answer to that was they wanted to strip out all the kind of Christmas card elements of, of Christmas 
the snow, the snowmen, the lovely pictures of the, the stable with the snow coming down and the glowing lights and all that. They wanted to strip that out and they wanted to say, what is the true message of Christmas? What is Christmas really about? What is the Christmas story really about? And the answer, of course, very much is, is Jesus Christ. And this whole Victorian kind of image we have of the lovely, comfortable stable with the lovely, cute animals and stuff, that kind of, in some ways, gets in the way of, of, of the story of mm. Jesus Christ mm. coming, coming into the world to save sinners and so on. And so Greenbelt's thinking that year was to get people to really start from the basics, reimagine Christmas and concentrate on what it really meant. And a lot of people found that quite a inspiring and moving experience when you're singing Silent Night in the middle of August, for instance. Uh, but that had quite an impact on people, I think. So so it's changed its, its, its thinking over the years. Uh, it's changed the role of worship over the years. It's changed the sort of music and art an artistry that it wants to convey so it is it is developing over time of course the pandemic has got in the way as well they had one year where it was entirely um online in in, in 2020 and i'm not necessarily sure that that was seen as the greatest green belt year but obviously it was suffering under the same constraints as everything else and then in 2021 they decided that they couldn't have a full-scale green belt because clearly the organisation was difficult because they didn't know where the pandemic and the restrictions were going to be in August 21. So they did a sort of stripped down, back to basics, load of people in a muddy field sort of green belt, um, where they had far fewer people taking part, far far fewer people coming as spectators. But they sort of kept the light burning, if you like, so that it was able to, to come into um, its full flow this year. I think it's also worth remembering that um, over the years it has had its financial challenges. So that to an extent has dictated what it's able to do. And whereas at one time they spent quite a lot of their, their money and their time organizing big name musicians, Cliff Richard being an obvious example who came uh, several years. Um, in recent years, they've been deciding that really it shouldn't be, um, if you like, a sort of religious um, Glastonbury or something. Um, and so they've kind of, they've kind of uh, stripped back to an extent, on the big names, so they can mm. they can debate more on the people who know about the stuff they want to debate. You're still there, Martin. So they kind of strip back that much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, there are still some celebrities there, like myself. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. And as long as they can furnish you with the requisite greenbelt bacon sandwich and a coffee. <laughs> After yes, a few I, think bucks. Both, I think both of my fans are, are planning to turn up this year, uh, but. <laughs> But yeah, we've, yeah. We've, we have had big names over the years, and we still do to an extent. But but some of the big names are people like uh, Richard Dawkins, for example. Now, if you were planning a Christian festival, then perhaps Richard Dawkins wouldn't be top of your list because, of course, he's the author behind things like The God Delusion. For instance, he is an atheist. He's quite a uh, vociferous atheist as well. Um, and you might think that, why would a, a Christian festival go for that sort of name? But they, they when they say they're having debates, they really want to have debates. They really mm. want people on who are going to say things that uh, to the Christian to the Greenbelt audience might not be easy to hear. And and even on the entertainment front, they've pushed back the boundaries. I mean, they had what well, it might have been twenty nineteen or eighteen. I'm not sure, but they had Pussy Riot there. 
Now, you'll have heard of them. They're the Russian sort of campaigning group who are often getting themselves into trouble and getting themselves arrested by the authorities in Russia because of the, the things they like to, uh, to sing about and to campaign about. Uh, but they have them at Greenbelt. Again, not the obvious uh, first top-line act, the headliner act at a, at a, at a Christian festival. Mm. So they push boundaries, they, they challenge, uh, they have people who are not obvious uh, people to have on this sort of guest list. Um, they're constantly trying to make themselves as relevant as possible. Yes, they want to grab headlines as well. You know, why wouldn't you? You want people to know about the festival and, and, uh, and to want to come along to it and to know that it's not necessarily an easy ride. It's not like going to your favourite tribute act, you know, and having a, an evening with them. It's very much going to challenge. It's very much going to get you thinking. It's very much going to perhaps change your perception of things and make, perhaps even make you question elements of your faith that hitherto you've just kind of mm. taken as read. Um, and I, I think for me, one of the perhaps regrets is that because of my job, I don't necessarily get to experience some of this in the in the kind of detail I'd like to, because I'm always thinking, where is my next interview? You know, yes, <laughs> when yeah. can I have somebody and, and record something with them and then get it on air? And so it would be nice one year to go there as, a, as what you might call just a, an ordinary punter and experience some of these as an ordinary punter would, um, because I'm still a bit in the dark as to what that feels like. I've never done it. Uh, I know people, I know people very well who go year after year and love it, um, even when it's raining. I mean, it's like every other outdoor festival. If it rains, it just turns into a complete mud bath. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's slipping and sliding everywhere and, <laughs> and all the crap getting soaking wet. And, you know, the people in the campsite, they're just soaking they're, they're soaked to the skin throughout the entire weekend and every one of their possessions is soaked as well you know what it's like when you can mm. it um but but no it's it, it's it's unique um and it's it's the, the, there aren't many people in the christian world who haven't heard of it um and uh in many ways it's it, it's great to be the county that that hosts it and also Great to be the county that I think has turned it round. I think at one point it was looking, particularly during the Cheltenham era, it was looking that this would, as though this would no longer be viable. Mm. That actually the idea of making this work, if you think of all the security that's needed, yeah. all the infrastructure needed, the toilets, the marquees, all that sort of stuff, the Wi-Fi, because of course they have to create some kind of temporary Wi-Fi. It was looking at one point as it, as though it simply would not be financially viable. I think. It's never going to be easy financially, but I think the, the Northamptonshire era, the new Northamptonshire era, the, mm. the second coming to this county, if you like, has at least made it possible possible to keep the festival going for the future. Yeah, Chelham can stick to their equinal, matters equinal and equestrian. They're fine with that. Anything else, Northamptonshire is the one, obviously. Um, just to get a final thought from you on, on Greenbelt, Martin. I was interested to, to hear you use the word radical because I think that is very much the, the sort of spirit, the core of, of the Greenbelt Festival. And uh, it, it always seems to me that it is a Christian festival that really leaves its mark on those who attend. It's been called progressive. Somebody who was a guest on this podcast some months ago used that very word and, and then attended. What if, if it's possible, just ever so briefly, to strip away the, your kind of BBC accoutrements and the fact that you're always there really professionally, but... What has it made you think about? I think that 
the, the Christmas element is one of those things where you do start to think to yourself, are we doing this in the right way? Are we worshiping the right way? Are we staying true to the Bible? Are we staying true to what, what the story of Jesus, for example, is actually all about? Because really, uh, it is it is a hugely challenging thing. You can look at it as being terribly nice and lovely and all about stables and sheep and all that sort of thing and stars in the sky. But then you have to remember several things, one of which is that, you know, the story of Jesus Christ is about sin and, uh, 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 and forgiveness. And it's about the constant challenges of things like why did Christ have to die? Why did this great saviour have to die? And so what Greenbelt, to an extent, allows you to do is to think outside that box, to remove the shackles of the way in which the established church um, often uh, portrays these, these biblical stories, and to, to think anew, to think from scratch, to think back to basics. And, and I think the very idea of, of talking about things, of discussing these things in the middle of a field, you know, uh, with the mud around you and all that sort of thing, and uh, with no with no churches anywhere, with none of the kind of the imagery of the established church around you, and, and the debate is taking place perhaps in a marquee or even outside or whatever. And I, I think that gives you a kind of unique way of stripping this, and I've used this phrase before, but stripping these things back and, and removing all the kind of elements that we've added over the years as, as the human race, effectively. We've added this stuff because we, we recognise buildings, we recognise uh, liturgy, and, and it, feels, it feels comfortable to have these, these um, constructions, these structures around us, whether they be buildings or perhaps things like the structure of liturgy. It's comfortable, it's reassuring, it's familiar, but is it really doing what we need it to do in, in terms of where it takes our minds? And I think Greenbelt, because it can strip all this stuff away, because there are no real rules about what you have to do and what you can't do. And there's no real rules about what you debate. There's no real rules about what voices you're going to hear. That really does enable you to really think outside the box and think about everything in a new way. Well, I think that is a wonderful, perfect depiction of the Greenbelt Festival. Martin, thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you to Martin and to Lois. To suggest topics, we'd love you to do that. Guests and uh, contribute generally to the One Voice podcast, please drop me a line. John at onairjohn.com is my email. John at onairjohn.com. Until next time, take care. Stories, community, and what brings us together. This is One Voice.